0: Amen. You guys can be seated. Well, it has been an absolute honor to be able to hang out with you guys for a few nights. Have you had a good week at Revival 2019? Awesome. Sweet. That's great. Um, The 14 of us will do it again. Um, Just kidding. It has been fun. I've enjoyed every minute of it. Pastor Johnny, thank you for having me back out. Always an honor. Uh, Probably won't be hanging around with you guys much afterwards. I'm going to hitch up the old wagon and head north. going to try to make it by midnight, depending on how safely I can get off of 190 without, without losing my whole savings account. Uh, so anyway, but uh, thank you for having me. Uh, it's been great. Tonight I want to talk to you um, kind of about just kind of like my final challenge of the week uh, to send you guys out. Because here's the deal, if we're, if we're being for real. Revival is completely useless if it stays in this room. It's completely useless. Like it, it, Revival is only effective when what's taking place here is dispersed outside of these walls. So my heart and my prayer would be that this time next year we could look back, and I believe we could gauge this effectively. If you were here last year, we talked about fighting. And I believe over the last year, that became a culture of this church. I've seen it on your Facebook post. I've seen it on things you've talked about. So I believe that that that's a a measurable gain in culture. Um, So if we can't look back a year from now and go, man, look what has happened since we spent time in the presence of God, it makes me wonder why we even got in his presence in the first place. So I want to leave you with something out of Ephesians chapter four uh, tonight as we kind of finish out, wrap up, and then get to work doing what God made us to do. So uh, as, you, as you're flipping there, just to give you some backstory, uh, Ephesians written by Paul, Paul we know uh, arguably wrote close to 75% of the New Testament, uh, most theologians agree that somewhere north of 40% of all of that 75% was written in some form of captivity, Uh, which is why he can say things like, I've learned to be content in the Lord, whether I have much or I have plenty. I've learned to be content in the Lord in every season because half of his ministry, almost half of his ministry, was spent chained to a wall or in a prison cell or in a dungeon somewhere. So when we tell kids... Philippians 4 13 you can do all things with Christ who strengthens me we also need to be equipping them to know that the reason Paul says that is because he's seen the Lord's strength at the lowest of his life and he's seen the Lord's strength at the highest point of his life and his strength is consistent so not only will God give you the strength for this he'll give you the strength for every point of your life so Paul um, is the answer to most of the New Testament trivia questions that you'll have to answer I will tell you it's always safe uh You know, I I was playing uh, Bible trivia with uh, some kids somewhere when I was a youth pastor, and it was like sixth grade level, and I'm going, psh, this is easy. And the first one's like, who was Ruth's great-grandmother's aunt? You're going, Paul. (laughs) You know? And you're like, man, are you smarter than a sixth grader? Yeah, except for Bible trivia, right? uh uh, but, but if it's a New Testament question, I'm just going to tell you, Jesus or Paul? And you've got a good shot at, at getting it right. So Paul in Ephesians chapter 4 is writing to the church of Ephesus, and Ephesus is just this brilliant um, writing that gives us so much insight in regards to church culture, church philosophy, personal philosophy of following the Lord. And he says in verse 1, he says, As a prisoner for the Lord, I then urge you, to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient. Bear with one another in love. Make every effort to keep unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. Some, sorry, one one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father over all, who is over all and through all and in all, but to each one, Grace has been given as Christ appointed it, apportioned it. This is what it says. When he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. What does it mean that he ascended except for the fact that he descended to the lower earthly region? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than the heavens in order to fulfill the whole universe. So when we look at this, we let's take it verse by verse and kind of walk through this as we exit Revival 2019. Verse 1. As a prisoner for the Lord, I urge you to live a life worthy of your calling. Now, let's look at calling, right? Let's look at, at what this means. You may be thinking, well, I'm not Paul. I'm not called to be a pastor. I'm not called to be be a preacher or worship leader or missionary. But here's the deal. You're all called to something, right? We're, we're all called to something. And, it, and I don't have time to help you figure out your calling. But I do know this that the quicker you can get a grasp on what you were created to do, the more effective life you will begin to start living, right? So many people that I come in contact with, they're like, I've been following the Lord for a very long time, but I'm just not satisfied. And I take that back to they've never identified their purpose. They've never identified why they were created. So Paul says, I urge you to live a life worthy of your calling. Now, this is crazy because if I was Paul, I wouldn't be encouraging this. Why? Because if, The majority of my ministry had me chained to a wall. I wouldn't want to live a life worthy of that. If I could pick, I wouldn't pick jail. Right? Just being transparent. I would pick what I get to do now. Travel and preach. Fly and preach. Go and do this. I love this. I'm grateful for what God has called me to do. But could we say the same if God said, look, I'm going to call you to do this, and it's going to put you under this amount of persecution. See, it's real easy to follow Jesus when it's easy. So Paul says, I urge you that whatever you've been dealt, whatever you've been called to do, do it. Do it because it's worth it. Paul tells us in Ephesians three times that life with Christ is worth it. And I don't know about you, but I would agree with Paul that there has not been a time in my life where I could tell you that following his will and his way was not worth it. It's worth it. And I tell people, it is worth it to give your life to Christ. Is it hard? You betcha. Will it cost you something? Everything. Will you get a jet for doing it? No. You won't get a jet. But you will have a life of worth. Let's keep going. Verse 2, be completely humble and gentle, patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. This is the cool thing, the unity of the Spirit by the bond of peace. So it's almost like the Spirit is the objective and the bond is the casing. It's the protection. It's It's the thing that keeps everything from... From, from going badly. Churches got smart when they started building gyms. Because when you have a lock-in with a youth group in a gym, there's a great percentage that you're going to break some lighting structure. It's going to happen. With a kickball or a football or something. Y'all probably know what I'm talking about. But churches got smart and they started putting what? Cages over everything. Smart move. It's cheaper to put a cage than it is to rent a lift, get a scaffolding, scaffold up, and change the light that was broken by kids whose youth pastor wishes he would have went to a funeral instead of planned to lock in. So that's the covering over the thing that gives light. Catch this. Peace is the covering of the spirit that gives life. It's the bond of peace. It's what holds everything together. Peace is important to God. Churches will not grow. Churches will not be blessed if the church is not unified. God honors unity. So let me tell you something. If you're here tonight and you struggle in this area, I'm taking a liberty because I may never get asked to come back. Let me help you. If you're here tonight, and you are a divisive human being that believes your spiritual gift is sowing discord, you would be doing Live Oak Baptist Church a favor to leave. God wants to do far too much through this church for people who are divisive to get in the way. You don't have to agree with how it's being done, But if it's being done for the gospel, you need to be on board with that. That was free. Actually, Johnny paid me earlier to tell you that. (laughs) Just kidding, he didn't. But I believe that. And I wouldn't tell you anything that I wouldn't tell my congregation. Because I don't have no problem telling them that if they don't like the flavor, there's another ice cream shop down the road. You're in the Bible Belt. Go pick somewhere you like. If you don't like it, go somewhere else. Like, we're not in the entertaining business, okay? So if you don't like it, just go somewhere else. So let's move on because that's a whole other conversation. We got to, I got to get home before 1 o'clock in the morning. Actually, I don't. Just kidding. Let's keep going. God honors unity. We agree with that. Verse 4, there is one body and one spirit just as you were called to one hope when you were called. Let's talk about this body for a second. Twofold thing I want to share with you tonight. So, so good. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 tells us this, that that, uh, just as the body, though one, has many parts, but it all forms one body as it is with Christ. This church, this body of believers has multiple parts. Multiple parts. Some parts are are, uh, uh, made to do specific things. Some parts are, if they bend them the right way, maybe they'll work. But here's the deal, every part is made with intentionality. Here's the problem in church, and I see it all the time. We've got too many elbows trying to be mouths. Too many mouths trying to be ankles, and too many feet trying to be backs. We've got too many shoulders trying to be kneecaps, and too many kneecaps being hip bones. You're like, but I don't want to be a hip bone. That's what God made you. You're a hip bone. You can spend the rest of your life trying to be something else, but this is the gift that you gave. Why? Because Christ apportioned it to you. Which means he saw in his goodness what you could handle and the load that you can bear and by grace he gave you something that you could handle. There's a reason God didn't call you to be the pastor of this church. There's a reason that God didn't put you in that seat. God puts you in another seat. And it's not that this seat is more important than that seat. It's that when that seat and this seat do what they're supposed to do, come on, the body starts walking like a body. There's too many bodies that are that are stumbling and falling and tripping and laying flat and, and crawling through the mud, not because they don't have the opportunity. It's because the people inside the body aren't doing what they were called and created to do. Okay? So you want revival to break out? You need to break out in your purpose. Do what you're called to do. Stay in your lane. Don't worry about anybody else's lane. You do you, right? You, you do you. Don't worry about what so-and-so's doing you be an arm you be a wrist be a thumb you be an ear you 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 do what god made you to do because here's what's going to happen there's going to come a day where we stand before a holy god and you're going to have to be given account for what kind of elbow you were oh but god i was a great mouth that's great i'm glad but i called you to be an elbow talk to me about this elbow situation second part of the body perspective is this this is my favorite this is where revival matters I firmly believe that myself, leaders like me, pastors like me, men that have pastored churches uh, generationally that have gone on, I believe that we're going to stand before the Lord one day. And I may be wrong on this. It's fine. It's secondhand, so it doesn't matter. It doesn't affect my salvation. Come on. So uh, I can form an opinion on it. Some opinions I'm pretty strongly about. I'm not sure. I just, this is a conviction. I believe that we're going to stand before God one day, and it's going to look something like this. God, I'm from the Baptist body. Lord, we did it with as many committees as possible. didn't change the aesthetics of the church very much. But we did our best. Lord, I'm from the Catholic church. We missed quite a bit. Lord, I'm from the high church. We did it with the best stained glass windows known to man. We sang the most lawfulest creeds known to man. Lord, I'm from the charismatic church. We're your crazy kids. Tore the house up over Thanksgiving. But we did the best we could. And I think this. I think the Lord's going to look at all of us church leaders one day and said, That's great. I'm glad you did it all those ways and there's nothing wrong with that. The only problem I see here is that you didn't do anything together. Because you're so worried about the way the Baptists have always done stuff, you didn't even talk to these guys. And because you think they're too far gone, you didn't even reach out to them, although they're a part of your community. You didn't do with those because they believe secondhand issues that don't really affect salvation differently, but because this name's on the sign, we didn't really reach out to them, but we have all these reasons of why we don't want to work together, but the only thing that God cares about is that we would learn how to work together. It's the truth. You do anything together. One body. This is the body of Christ. We have brothers and sisters that are under the banner of King Jesus that we will worship for eternity with, singing, Holy, Holy, Holy is the Lord God Almighty. And the people we're standing next to, probably on earth, didn't agree with all of our theology. So why wait to worship with them when we get there? Why can't we start worshiping here? It's a conviction of mine. It breaks my heart how divided we are. How separated the body of Christ is because we can't get along. Now, there's some things like I told you about that are worth conversation. But some stuff just because they sing this type of music or come on. We're, we're better than that. Let's keep going. Can't stay there. One, one, uh, one body. Know your part. Play it well. The church is important. It's God's backup plan. There, uh, that's God's plan A. There is no backup plan. No plan B. One spirit. What is the spirit? It's a consumed spirit. It's an expecting spirit. It's a a kind of spirit that ignites inside of a church that when people drive by the building, something happens in their vehicle. Is that too wild? Too crazy? Because that's the kind of spirit I want. I want that when we come into the room, all of a sudden conversations start shifting around because we showed up. I, I, I want when, when when Live Oak Baptist Church shows up at, at, a, at a situation in town, whether it's a, a voting banquet or if it's a whatever, like, holy smokes, what just happened here, man? I feel like something just happened here. Yeah, the Spirit of God showed up. Why? Because He doesn't reside in things. He resides in His people. And when the people of God, full of the Spirit of God, show up, things should change. It shouldn't only feel right in here. It should feel right out there. It should feel right in your vehicle, driving down the road. It should feel right at your dinner table. It should feel right in your office. Why? Because you brought right to the party. One spirit. One hope. This hope is in heaven. This hope comes through Jesus. It's sustained in Jesus. Pastor Jack Hayford once said that Jesus is both the sum and the substance of our faith. He's not only the Alpha and the Omega. He's everything in between. He is everything. I once heard a pastor say that in the darkest time of your life, when nothing else would work and you don't know what else to say, all you got to say is the name of Jesus. Because Matthew says His name and name alone would be the hope unto all nations. Just His name. One hope. Hope in Christ. How do you have hope in Christ? Well, you start with this. Hope in Christ means that, 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 that Christ has to be more than a good idea for you. It's gotta be more than a head knowledge. It's gotta be a this this heart soaking relationship that changes you from the inside out. There's a lot of times that I think things are good ideas. Right? Like um, like I think dropping 12 or 15 pounds is a good idea. But I eat cracklins at four o'clock. You see what I'm saying? My wife's like, I, th- I, th- I thought you was trying to do better, but but I, I I was for a second. But isn't that funny? Isn't that like how, how strangely enough our walk with God is sometimes? Like, oh, he's a good idea. But I thought you were trying to work. Well, I, I was when the revival was over. I was trying to do better, but then I got out of church. Or I was trying to do better, but then I got around so-and-so at work, and you know how he rubs off them. I was I, Those friends at school, I can't be this around them. Look at me. Listen, hope says that Jesus is enough. Let's keep, keep going. Verse 5. One Lord, <laughs> one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. We, church family, hear me, we are not lords. You know what lords do? They rule and they reign. That's what lords do. We're, we're not lords. I, I told I told um, I told Johnny this afternoon. I said I I got this message prepared to preach to you guys, but in the in the in the kind of way it fell in our series structure at our church, I preached it to my people Sunday. But Sunday we pulled up at church. And it was pouring down rain, and my little girl Gracie. If you ever get a chance to meet her, she's like she's eight, but you would think she's eighteen um, she has no lack in the confidence arena. She is going to change the world one day. So we pull up and I've got a two person kayak in the back of my truck and a couple ice chests from our staff retreat. And, uh, we get, we back into the, the shop at the church and, and I go in and unlock, the, uh, raise the garage doors open to put the kayak in there. And she's standing in the back of the truck and She's got two paddles in her hands, and she's going, Savior! I am the Savior! At the time, I didn't think it was funny because it was pouring down rain. I was tired. And, but, but now looking back, I'm going, pretty funny. pretty Pretty funny. And I was like, man, you know, Lord, thank you for the reminders of all the times that I've stood on the throne of my heart with my fist in the air, and said, I'm the Savior of my life. You say, I don't say that. Well, you may not say it, but maybe you say it by the way that you act or every decision you make without going to him in prayer or every time that you you know, make a decision in regards to your family without seeking his counsel or you say, Lord, I got this. Y'all, I'm the worst at saying I got this. In my personal life, I'm like, babe, I got it. She goes, yeah, but you'll probably forget. And most of the time, she's right. So even in my life failing her to say, babe, I got it, right? I got it. How many times in my life do I just say, Lord, I got this one. I I can handle this. But, But I'm not a Lord. Lord's rule and reign, I'm not that. You know what I do? I steward. I steward relationships that God brings into my life. I steward conversations that He allows me to have. I steer them. I shape them. I don't create them. God does that. We are stewards. We're not lords. We don't rule. We don't reign. And I ask you this question. Are you stewarding the life that God gave you tonight? Or are you trying to rule and reign the life that God gave you tonight? What does that speak to? Ultimate surrender. Complete turnover. Complete turnover of your life. Who's the Lord of your life tonight? It goes on to say one faith in a world that would say that you can have faith in anything and everything. Paul seems to, to make it very clear that there's only one faith, one thing worth believing in. Come on, we live in a society that you can just put your faith and trust and hope in everything. I saw, I saw a meme the other day on Facebook. It's pretty funny. It said, I'm not going to tell you what the first part said, um, the second part said, "Just because of the nature of the age of people in this in this room." Uh, the second part said, "You still believe in essential rules, and nobody busted your bubble yet." That's funny, super funny. Like apparently, apparently not. Okay, um, let's keep going. All right, that was really bad. Uh, why did I think that was so funny? It was hilarious. Like. I got, an, I got a sprained ankle. Here's some thieves. No, okay. They have essential oils in, in Livingston Parish, or, or is it too close to home? Uh, my bad. I'm sorry, my bad. Let me make a make a note. Siri, never talk about essential oils at Living at uh, Live Oak Baptist Church again, ever again. Ever. Just move on. We can talk about it later. Wow. That was really terrible. <laughs> Trying to teach y'all something tonight, and now I've learned a lot myself, apparently. <laughs> one baptism. This is good. One baptism. What does one baptism mean? Baptism is what? It's an identifying factor. We know water don't save you. We can dunk you in a pond, dump you in a creek. We can dunk you in the ditch outside. We can swim and pool, hot tub. It don't matter. God don't care what kind of water you get dunked in. It ain't the water. Water is it's the identifying factor of who you belong to. So when Paul's writing that he said, church, stop arguing. You, we've got to get to the point where we start arguing. There's just one baptism, which means this: there is one identifying factor of both Jew and Gentile. One sovereign God over all. One identifier, one banner, one message that says this is whom I belong to no matter what where, where you came from what background what genealogy you had Paul is saying there is one baptism for you to be a part of and this is where it gets good and this is where I'm going to end for the night verse 7 says this but to each one of us everybody say each one of us each one. to each one of us grace has been given As Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, He ascended on high. He took many captives and gave gifts to his people. Let me read that to you one more time. Guys, you can go ahead and come up with the guitars. We're fixing fixing to be done shortly. About 28 more minutes. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, When he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. All right, hear me on this. This is the second thing in this passage that has been given. The second thing. In this alone, we've received two things at this point. We've received a calling, live a life worthy of the calling you have received. And now we've received a gift. Let's talk about both of these. You may say, I don't, I don't, I don't know kind of where I am or what I'm supposed to be doing, but hear me, you have received a calling. We talked about that. We're all called to something. And then it goes on to say, but you have also been given a gift. Two types of gifts I want to talk to you about tonight. Primary gifts and secondary gifts. Primary gifts are created inside of you. They were given to you when you were a child clearly divinely woven into your DNA are certain gifts right they're, they're just they're, they're there they're from God sustained by God they, they, they will they will bless God more than they bless people gifts are for God talents are for people talents fill auditoriums gifts break yokes okay so you've received a calling and you've received a gift all of you were gifted you may not be gifted to preach. You may not be gifted to, to, to teach the word, but you are gifted in something. We were talking today, Frank and Pastor Johnny and myself, about the need for a spiritual gift assessment church so you would know what your gift is. Because how can you walk in something that you don't even know that you possess? Those are primary gifts. Secondary gifts can be shaped. They can be molded. They can be learned and added to. There may be a little potential deep down inside of you, but you can learn how to craft these gifts. Timothy says that we're all equipped, all of us, to do the good works. If you're called, you're equipped. You're equipped to go to work tomorrow and be different. You're equipped to go home tonight and be different. You're equipped to do everything God called you to do. I feel like I just want to empower you tonight to tell you that you can do it. You can walk in faith. You can be bold. You can be confident. You can stand before people and share your story. All that Moses brought to the table was a stick and a stutter and he set the people of God free. Everything you need leaving this house of worship tonight, it's inside of you. Don't don't make griping and moaning and nitpicking and criticism, your ultimate goal here, life is too short for that don't worry about how we're going to reach them, worry about who we're going to reach, who we're going to go to, who, who, who who, 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 worry about the who in the story do whatever you do for God, the best you can and I close with this Seven times in this passage, the number one is mentioned. Seven times. Seven times in this passage, the number one is mentioned. And y'all, when I was working through this last week and getting everything ready, I took my shoes off, my socks off, I made sure my hands were uncovered, and I started doing all the simple addition that I knew how to do. And guess what? There's not a single thing you can add to the number one and it stay one except zero. And the conviction I got from that is this. Some people spend their whole life trying to add to what God has already given in the person of Jesus and they wonder why their life is chaotic. Because the answer is and will always be one. And one is rooted, centered, and sustained in the person of Jesus. Now the crazy part is this. There's a whole lot of things you can subtract from itself to get to one. I think too many people in church are worried about addition when it's really a subtraction problem. What do you need to take out of your life so you can get back to the one thing God called you to be doing? It's a subtraction problem. So maybe you're here tonight and you're like, no, I ain't got a subtraction problem. Oh, yes, you do. If you have a pulse, you've got a subtraction problem because it is in your DNA and in your flesh to add to what God has already given you. That's why we constantly need to repent. It's a constant subtraction problem, right? I can tell you this. It's a lot easier to subtract single digits than it is to subtract triple digits. But guess what? The math still works both ways. It just may take you a little longer to get there. Every step closer back to one. And I do not quote Brian McKnight when I say that. Another bad joke. Started back at one, come on. The good thing is, the good thing is this. He don't care if you're working back from 100 or if you're working back from four. He starts working when you start working back. So maybe you need to come tonight and just get get light, right? Get freed up. Lay some stuff down. Do some subtraction. Say, God, I got some stuff in my life I need to get rid of. I got got some things I need to to lay down. They're weighing me down. They're making me heavy. Lord, I need to get back to one. I feel like I got 100. Well, one less is 99. Come on. You start working backwards towards one. He's going to meet you, and he's going to do what you can. So you come. It's a subtraction problem. So as we stand and as I pray over you guys, you can go ahead and stand. I'm going to pray. Pastor Johnny and and Mike and Frank are going to be down front to meet you, to greet you, to pray for you. Don't leave tonight without, without getting some stuff right. Don't leave tonight without laying some stuff down. Go home differently. Three nights we've been here together. Four nights we've been here together. Come on, let's not miss it. Let's not attend in vain. Let's do some business. With God tonight. Father, I love you, Lord. I pray, God, that you would constantly call us back to one. You would constantly call us back to the only thing that matters. We see in the story of Martha and Mary. God, she had great intentions. But you told us from your own mouth that Mary has found the one thing that matters, and you would never take it away from her. Lord, that was your presence. So, Lord, may we, God, begin to subtract and remove things from our life that will allow us to find ourselves completely surrounded, wholly invested into you and your presence alone. God's just one. And every one thing is connected to you, sustained through you, and was given by you. So Lord, we ask that you would call us by your spirit to go back to one tonight. We love you. Convict us until we move. Lord, set us up for success moving forward and advancing your kingdom. God, may we all be better as a church because we spend time in your presence this week. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.